Hey, a note from us. We recorded this episode the night before Toni Morrison passed away. Uh, and the next day, all we could talk about is how grateful we were to have been able to spend that night talking about her and her work. All right. Oh, that's the stuff. I'm up on it. This, well, this, yeah, you sound good. Everybody okay. does. All right. Woo! So many, so many, so many damn books. Welcome to So Many Damn Books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And we have Mira Jacob in the damn library with us. Uh, Mira is the author of Sleepwalker's Guide to Dancing and uh, most recently Good Talk has writing all sorts of places, a very active Instagram Am I missing something that the people should know? No, I don't think so. I think you've got all the things. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome. And, and thank you so thank much you. for joining us. Thanks for having me. You Tell us about the drink. We're all yeah, too busy really. drinking the drink. Let's oh, yeah, the, the drink. drink. Yes. This drink that I made... Um, I was uh, going through your book, uh, Good Talk, and I was going through like, oh, they drink beer, they drink whiskey a lot in bars, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but they don't, um, but th- there was this, there's this sequence that's like, it's set up so comically um, with the the bark mitzvah. Yes. And I won't, I won't, t- <laughs> we'll maybe talk about the scene more, um, but it's this heartbreaking, but there's, um, it's a dog's bark mitzvah. And uh, they're serving all sorts of themed treats. And they say that they serve champagne. So I was thinking a champagne cocktail. Oh, and that's then so good. You that's asked, how this happens. Yeah. And then you asked for tequila and uh, or bourbon. And I was like, I'll do tequila. And so this is tequila, um, agave syrup, um, a li- fresh squeezed lime juice. And then you shake that up and uh, with ice and strain it. And then you pour sparkling wine on top. And I, I got this actually canned sparkling wine, house wines, uh, hmm. brute. It's really good. Wow. Um, it's like half a bottle of wine in a can. You know? Huh. Cool. Uh, it's so good. Um, so, and then I put a little bit of smoked salt on top. Uh, Malden's smoked salt because you know you, mm. you're gonna be bougie, be bougie. Yes, <laughs> really. Uh, and so that's the that's the drink I'm calling it. The dog days of summer because as we are feeling in the damn library, it is it's a sweaty existence that we're in. Yeah, in the midst of the dog days of summer. Yeah, absolutely. It's when we're recording this. It's all working. It's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the drink, um, and I'm so glad you inspired. I'm very proud of this drink. It's a it it's a really, really nice. good. The wine just it adds a an X factor, a mm-hmm. thing where if you don't know, you're like, "What is this?" <laughs> I love that you just made this up. That seems like witchcraft to me. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, I'm really feeling this one. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make horrible recreations of this and <laughs> and dream of this moment. <laughs> well, um, everybody can make uh, their own. We always put all of our cocktail recipes on so many damn books.com slash the damn bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can also just search our website for like tequila or whiskey or gin and all the cocktails that have that main spirit will come up. Incredible. That's, that's drew working some Squarespace some magic behind the scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's <laughs> go to our website. Uh, so that is inspired by your book. Um, but before we talk about it, we have to talk about books we bought. Yes, indeed. Because that is the shape of the show that we have made up ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> this structure that we've locked ourselves into. Um, 
Um, do you want to do you want to tell us a book you bought, Drew, or something? Sure. I have two. One was sent to us, and the other I bought. The one that was sent is um, Hybrida, uh, Tina Chang's new collection. Mm. Wow, Brooklyn Let's Poet Laureate. Yeah. <laughs> I just I just got it. I just started reading it. Um, I'm I'm fascinated. I didn't know that Brooklyn had a poet laureate, mm-hmm. and then the Brooklyn Poet Laureate turns out to be this badass who has a new book out, and I was like, cool, mm-hmm. I'm sold. Um. And then the other thing was, it's so rare anymore that something crosses my eye because of the New York Times book review that every once in a while when it does, I have to jump. Uh, And it actually, it just showed up in the mail today. It's called Cult of the Ebis Mm. by Daria Tesler. It's out from Fantagraphics. It is apparent. Mm. I started reading the review and then I stopped because I was like, I know I want to read this and I want to know nothing more about it. Mm -hmm. It's some Mm -hmm. sort of semi surrealist noir bank caper mm-hmm. question mark i don't know anything else but i was like i i just knew that i had to immediately go to the fantagraphics website and purchase the book and cool. it's a graphic book mm-hmm. oh wow it also felt thematically appropriate that it showed up about an hour before you did amazing <laughs> amazing and that cover is rich yeah yeah um i'll report back yeah please do um, Do you want to talk about something? Hold on, I'm just or... trying to get the the um, title of. The, I know this sounds stupid, but I've got it perfectly in my brain, uh-huh. and um, and I've all I've got is like it's this beautiful pink cover, and so let me tell you. Right now, I got it. Okay, it's um, Rigoberto Gonzalez. What drowns the flowers in your mouth? Ooh, Ooh. great um, title. It's amazing. It's a memoir. He read. So I I teach at this um, program. It's the Randolph MFA program. And it is a faculty that is almost entirely of color. Mm. And um, Rigoberto Gonzalez, who also works at, he's the head of the Rutgers program, he has been kind of informing us of how to do this. And he finally visited. He's this incredible, I mean, he's just an incredible thinker. He also has a way of speaking to us about the process of writing that just feels like, freedom and that sounds so silly and cheesy to say but i mean i mean it as a person of color who came up through an mfa program whose stories were almost always like this doesn't really can you provide a glossary and i don't really feel that i don't understand you know just the kind of feedback where it's like your stories couldn't just be your stories Mm -hmm. so this program comes from a completely different space um when i go there to teach it feels wild and then i heard him read one of the nights every night a different faculty member presents their work cool and the night he read with erica l sanchez um i don't know if you're familiar with her work but i'm not your um perfect mexican daughter Mm -hmm. is incredible and so they read together and i think she was actually um one of his mentees at one point and it blew the doors off the reading space so Mm. i immediately ran and got this book and stayed up Almost all of the night reading it, which was funny because the next morning he posted a picture of him reading my book. Uh. <laughs> and he's like, I read your book last night. And I was like, what was happening last night? <laughs> yeah. was, there like a, was there like a purple orb floating above the building while we yeah. were while we were getting to know each other? It was, anyway, it's a beautiful book. Cool. Wow. Yeah, it's like like wands connecting over it. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. It yeah. good. Christopher? Uh, yeah. Well, we got sent Lisa Letts' new novel, The Swallows. Mm. Um, and... I'm just, it's one of those books that I can't believe I haven't gotten to read it yet mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like staring at me on the shelf and we've had a, a, other things to read. Um, but man, cannot wait. 
Yeah. I don't know anything about it. I haven't looked at even the flap copy. I've just looked at the cover because I just love Lisa Letts's work so much. Mm. Um, and I've been like dying to read another book of hers. That so. feels like the <laughs> perfect thing. Like there's something about going into a book that you don't know that's by someone you don't know. But to go into a book by someone who you know and know nothing about it. Yeah. It's is a rare treasure. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, you know, you get to that point and then you can Google it and be like, when's the next book by this person coming out? And then yes. you've anticipated it for three years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also, um, I also bought the Moomin Deluxe collection Ooh. by Tove Jansen. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited. It, it hasn't come yet. It's going to come in the mail. And I'm feeling very giddy because I did buy it, but it didn't. <laughs> not, hasn't arrived yet. Um, and so uh, I'll explain why I bought that at the end of the show. Nice. Um, anyway, so that's buying books. We did it. We did it. We all bought books. We all bought books. And we did a really great job of it. So now another book that we, we've bought yeah. You did not have to buy it. No. Um, is your book Good Talk? I um, did not have to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you had to live it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Memoir <laughs> in Conversations. That's the uh, that's the subtitle. Yes. Um, can you tell our listeners about the book? Yes. So when I originally pitched this book, you guys, by the way, the, the original subtitle actually was supposed to be Conversations I'm Still Confused About. because it was going to be a collection of really funny, weird conversations. Like the ones that you wake up at two in the morning and you're like, why, you Uh know, like, why did I say that? And what was that word? And you come up with the perfect response. And you know, those ones that sort of jangle around your head. That was the original um, intention of the book that I sold in 2015. But what happened was as 2015 sort of ramped up into what it was becoming and, and the country was becoming the country that it was on its way to becoming, Everything got a lot more tense. The kind of the guileless questions my son was asking me about his skin color and his hair and why is it, you know, what does it mean that he's brown and are white people afraid of brown people? You know, like these questions that are that in the first piece that opens the book where he's obsessed with Michael Jackson mm-hmm. and he asks some questions and some of them are like, are, is Michael Jackson brown or is he white? Right. And I say, well, he's sort of, you know, he's black, which means his skin is brown. He turned white. And he's like, he turned white. I said, yeah. And he goes, are you going to turn white? And I was like, no. Goes, Am I? And I was like, no. And he goes, daddy. And I was like, daddy's already white. And he goes, but was he always? <laughs> and it's like, that was hilarious and sweet and weird. And then shortly after that, though, he asked me, what color did Michael Jackson like being better, brown or white? And this is as Ferguson is going on and as he's seeing the streets around us shut down with protests and also as Donald Trump is coming up more and more on the television. Mm-hmm. So as I kind of, as the book progressed and as I was in the middle of writing this book, my um, in-laws became avid Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. Our family kind of cracked right down the middle. Mm-hmm. And the book that I thought I was writing, which is about a lot of funny conversations that tell you who you are, ended up being a lot of funny and painful sometimes conversations that tell you who you are. Um, and I, and so that was really the thing that sort of holds the book together. They're both like, I think the thing that I was trying to get across is what it's like to be in this body mm-hmm. where in whatever circumstance you go into, there's such a different reaction 
Like it's almost like you're not the same person because the people around you are so freaked out by what you look like that they just treat you completely differently. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to get across what it felt like to have that experience. And the easiest way to show it was just through the conversations. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, it doesn't quite get me to the it's it's illustrated it's a it's a oh yes a i graphic. forgot that part i'm sorry <laughs> no, no. right okay so should we get to that part y- yeah i'm just because okay. that's yeah yes. it's so okay curious. so it's a it's a book of illustrated conversations and so what i did was i sort of turned myself and many of the people in my life into paper dolls mm. and i put us like that first the first chapter is takes place about um on top of michael jackson albums mm-hmm. and um and it's just me and my son talking to each other the expressions never change. The dialogue changes. The backgrounds change. And you watch these characters move through space and time. Um, and to do that, I had to teach myself how to draw and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but And I had to teach myself how to design a book, which was wild, but also really fun. Mm. Where did where did that, that particular impulse come from yeah. to, to start drawing? Well, because... So when my son originally came to me with all the questions about Michael Jackson... He was really trying to figure out what it meant that he was somewhere between brown and white, right? Like somewhere between brown and white. And what I would normally do with that is write an essay. My son's <laughs> asking me all these questions about being brown in America because he actually presents as brown. And what does that mean? And he's half Jewish and he's, you know, Indian. And what does this mean? But every time I tried to write that essay, I got really scared because I'm a woman of color online and because I actually get a fair amount of vitriol, mm-hmm. right? I get like long letters of hate. Even with that first piece, I put it out a year in advance. There were people taking bets on when my son would kill himself because I'm his mother. Yeah, man, that's rough. But also, I think I've grown a certain callus around that kind of roughness, meaning I'm used to people saying, you should be dead and you're what's ruining the country. I'm not used to people saying that about my kid. Right. Yeah. So when I started trying to write him, I kept freezing up because I was scared. Mm -hmm. And then one day when I was trying to kind of work through the emotion a lot of times when i'm writing like a novel i'll draw an item from the novel to to relax enough to tell the scene oh wow yeah so i started drawing him and then once i got him i was like oh i'll draw me (laughs) and then i drew me and then i it was on printer paper and i cut us out and i put us on top of the actual michael jackson albums that were in his room and then i stood on my dining room table and took pictures of us wow like i drew the conversation into bubbles and drew pictures of it yeah so it was like a visual essay Mm-hmm. And when I did that, it felt amazing. Wow. Huh. Because I didn't have to fight with the people that didn't believe me. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Like I didn't have to picture the comment section. I didn't have to picture all the people that were going to say, you know, this isn't true. I just, it was such an easy way to say like, this happened mm-hmm. and to just make it happen. Right. And and then no one could say it didn't happen because it was happening right there. And I could spend my time, instead of trying to explain to a kind of deaf American audience that loves racial pain just so they can say it doesn't happen, <laughs> instead of spending my ni- my time in that sort of endless loop, I right. could get to what was more interesting about it to me. Right. You Would didn't you, yeah. have to spend paragraphs like coming up with how they would fight you. Right. Or like justifying or like, well, this was really racist because this and this and this, like I feel like when I talk to white people about racism, they want a checklist of all the things that happen Mm -hmm. that make it beyond a shadow of a doubt racist. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to say like, that never fucking happens. (laughs) Yeah. That's not what it is. Yeah. And, and going through the world, having to, to prove this crazy violence to you that happens every day in my life is so exhausting and it leaves me unable to take care of my child. Mm. Right. 
Like, why do you demand that of me? Why are you more important than my child? So this was a really easy way to be like, no, he's first. I'm first. We're first. Mm. Yeah. Y'all do what you need to do. And the process stayed um, rewarding throughout the book? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I had to teach myself a lot of stuff really fast. I didn't know how to draw very well when I started. I mean, I've always drawn, but my characters were a little clunky. I had to teach myself how to like I had to teach myself how to draw in a specific thing. So you'll see in there that the the expressions don't change and mm-hmm. there's a reason for that. My first editor really wanted me to change the expressions. Um he said it's really disconcerting when you're having a conversation and the characters don't emote. Huh. They don't cry and I feel awkward. And I was like, "Do you?" <laughs> um, <laughs> and he said, "Well, it's just really weird because you just and he said, what if you just draw a cry face? And I was like, a cry face. And he was like, maybe like a, t- like a tear. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> and he said, okay, what about a consternation face? And I was like, I think I actually just live in a consternation face. So that's not going to work. Um, yeah, that's and, what I already yeah, do. <laughs> that's just me. Um, and then, and then, but I said to him, I was like, what happens when you read it and you're uncomfortable? And he said, well, then it's just all on me. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Because I'm not performing pain for you anymore. So Mm. you just have to hold it. Mm. So if I'm going to sit there and cry on the page, then you just wait for me to react. And you can do the same thing you've always done, which is to judge the emotion and decide whether or not it's valid. But if I don't, then you're just stuck with it. Mm -hmm. And how does that feel? Yeah. Because I kind of just need you guys to be stuck with it. There's something so wonderful about the way that it also forces you to pay attention to the language. You can't, it's something that I find, and maybe this is a failing of the way that I read graphic Mm -hmm. fiction, graphic novels, graphic memoirs. I sometimes look to the faces, just that's, my brain is trained to do that. My brain will accept images more quickly than it does words. And with this, the fact that, no, here are these faces that are static the whole time. And so it, it puts an emphasis on the language in a way that I don't often feel when reading anything that is done in a graphic format. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that was actually, so to me, that's where the, like the deep joy came from <laughs> yeah. in making the book. Cause it's, cause then it turns very quickly into talking heads. Right. Mm-hmm. So how do you pull it back out of there mm-hmm. and what are you going to do to make that not static? Right. And then you have to think of a thousand different solutions. Like I'm best, I think maybe everyone's this way. I'm best creating things when I have restrictions. Mm-hmm. Like the more, the more ways I sort of tie myself down, the wilder everything gets because I'm bucking so hard to make something happen. Mm-hmm. So this felt like a series of like very tight restrictions where it was like, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can only tell it this way. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And then it felt like because I because it was such a narrow channel to go down, it just felt like I could go as hard and wild as I possibly could. Mm. I love that. Like a pressure washer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly like a pressure washer um, for yeah. racism. <laughs> Can you talk about um, are, do you feel like you're in conversation with other comics or like how do you feel like this fits in the tradition of, of sequential art which um, other people hate that term term you know what's <laughs> funny is so I didn't do I've of course read all the kind of 
classics that we've all read, Mouse mm-hmm. and Persepolis, and um, and then many others that I sort of looked at on the way to doing this one, just for inspiration. Um, Kristen Radke's Imagine Wanting Only This, and um, and Emil Ferris's um, The Thing I Love Is Monsters. Did you you? But yeah, my favorite thing is monsters. My favorite, yeah. Thank you. Which, of I which always, volume two yeah. is still on its way. I know, mm. right? We'll talk about that. <laughs> um, but so I did that, but I also understood because I don't come to this as um, as coming from that background. Mm-hmm. I knew very quickly. I was like, no, you're gonna have to make your own visual language, and it's got to be its own thing. And and probably there's enough that you've picked up in just what you've read that you're gonna have enough information to do this, but you can't copy anybody so in the way that like i don't read toni morrison when i'm writing my own work Mm -hmm. because i find her voice so seductive Mm. i didn't do a lot of research in the moment that i was doing this book because i wanted to just make my own thing and not be overly informed by what other people had done before me in in any other way than the kind of loose osmosis of everything comes in because you see it Mm. yeah right does that make sense it does yeah (laughs) totally i find myself intrigued by the way that this book has continued to live both in my mind and out in the world mm. and the the fact that you you're continuing to use the good talk thanks instagram account to sort of it's not a sequel but you're able to continue these moments and you're able to continue to create yeah do you is the, is this something that you can see going on yeah. or do you feel like you are compelled to do it because of the fact that everything is in fact worse than it was when the book was published six months ago. (laughs) I mean, the truth is it's a really easy way for me to, to capture what I love most, which is conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just a really easy way to kind of make that happen. And as many conversations that are like, that have that kind of weird (laughs) unseemly place that will never be fixed. Right. And we just live in those all the time. Like I can keep, I can keep gunning for that place Mm -hmm. forever. I don't think my next book will be that though. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, your last book was so, so, so different than, than this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sort of an epic story of a father figure in a family. Yeah. Um, the Sleepwalkers Guide to Dancing. And I'm just curious, like, did you, were you, were you, ho- were you wishing for text afterwards? Uh, after, I mean, did you, did you miss any, um, anything about storytelling in the, in the process? Oh my God. Yes. You know what I missed? <laughs> Seriously, a metaphor. Like I'm oh. a metaphor junkie. I, I mean, I also, I knew I was like, you have a metaphor problem. Um, I knew this about myself before, but when I was making, when I was drawing this book, I was wildly aware of it, about, of kind of all the crutches that I couldn't use and also the ways in which I derived joy out of a metaphor like that was completely absent to me also because the first draft of this book I gave myself one of the constrictions was you can never talk about how you feel oh everything has to happen only in action and dialogue Wow. wow you can never have an internal peak ever like you are not allowed to do that and so the first draft of this book contained none of the sections that often start with sometimes <laughs> right there's always the kind of Sometimes, and then I, I explain what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. None of those were in there. Wow. Um, because I had a really hard feeling about those places mm. and not wanting to have to do that work. Huh. It's funny to hear you say that because now it's making me think about the book and what is in there now. And I feel like the scenes of you talking to your friends in a bar, one of whom, this is the first time that 
a book that we've read on the show has featured somebody who we've previously had on the show. Yeah, that's true. Oh, who? Caitlin Green. Yeah. Ah! I opened it and I was like, "Wait a minute!" We, I know her. I love Caitlin. <laughs> but like those those moments, I'm I'm now yeah. seeing those scenes differently because they almost feel like interrogations. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, that's so cool! You know what was fun about Caitlin too is that Caitlin is maybe the only person I know who speaks in incredibly smart paragraphs. Right. I mean, you guys yeah. must have noticed that while she was here too. Yes. But like, it's an incredible thing to be in a conversation with her because she actually speaks in paragraphs, mm-hmm. yeah. and they are beautifully tightly woven paragraphs with many levels of thought to them. <laughs> so that I often, I mean, you know, we're all a little bit drunk when we're in bars, but a lot of times, then it'll be like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> like, say it again, Caitlin. Say it again." <laughs> Has um has your your son reacted to the book and seen how you've portrayed him? Yeah, we had a really intense conversation about that because I was drawing, I was putting out little snippets of just stuff before I even let go of the book and um or let it out in the world, I should say, <laughs> and um and because he, you know, he'll come to with me to reading, so people were starting to recognize him. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. And so like, oh hey man, you're the kid, and and he was always sort of like, oh it's the good, you know, just it's weird. Yeah. He's nine, he's ten. Hearing you're the kid is weird, and also because the way that they consume media is so wild and it's so voracious that it's like, it's does this mean I'm famous? And it's like, no, you're not famous. <laughs> Don't worry, we didn't do that to you. Um, <laughs> But then, but explaining like, but no, now sometimes people might recognize you just basically in Brooklyn, but sometimes Mm. people might. And then we had to have a further conversation about, um, he was the only person I gave veto rights to in the book where I said, if there's something that I wrote here that's painful for you or that you don't like, you tell me and it's gone and you don't even have to tell me why it's done. Mm. And he read it and he was like, I'm so funny. (laughs) (laughs) And he got really psyched about the kind of the last drawing I did of him where he's like, looks the oldest where he's like, I kind of look like Justin Bieber. And I'm like, you definitely do not. (laughs) You unibrowed mustachioed kid. But, um, but I think he just sort of liked the look and feel of things. And he was like, I have no problems. No, this is great. I'd never be mad about this. And I was like, that's not true. (laughs) You're probably going to be upset about this at some point. And, and, and I think, the only thing I could do and I said this to him I was like at some point you might be really pissed about this and we'll just have to talk about it mm-hmm. and you're allowed to be mad about it and I can tell you why I did it and it also doesn't have to take care of the anger like you're your own person and I've decided to do this thing mm. it was my to me this is the single best way to save my family yeah but I I'm not pretending it didn't take a toll mm. that was rough and so did the Trump supporting if uh, people read it. I'm, yes. Is it, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I gave it to my in-laws. Okay. Before it came out, and um, they read it, and um, and they basically their response was, "We're not ready to talk to you about this, but we love you." Wow. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Yeah, I mean, yep, that's where we are." And I think, um, you know, I think when they got the book, they maybe rightfully assumed that the the point of the book was for us to talk about it. That might have even been where it started from. Mm-hmm. Because I know they didn't let me talk about it before. They're kind of the 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 line in the house was like, Thank you so much for not talking about how you feel about any of this. Right. Mm. So when I just was like, Nope, this is what I feel 
Mm-hmm. It's a lot. <laughs> um, I think they thought that we would have to have a conversation about this, but I said, I was like, we don't, we actually don't have to have a conversation about it. You might never be ready to have a conversation about it. That's going to be okay. I just needed you to know how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we'll ever talk about it. There's still avid Trump supporters. That's not going to change. Yeah. Um, as of the recording of this, um, we're watching, we've just lived through yesterday, two shootings, one of which was informed by a white supremacist who was galvanized by all of Trump's rhetoric. Mm-hmm. We're watching our congresswomen being attacked for being, our brown and black congresswomen being attacked for being other and therefore being perceived as an un-American. Like all of these things that I was terrified of happening have happened in spades. And the people who have said, if anything really happened, you know, I would, you know, of course I would change my mind. They are nowhere to be found. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's just what we're living with. Mm -hmm. The the title, Good Talk, Mm. there's this idea that it is often propagated by older white people of sort of like the third way liberalism of like, well, we live in the center. We can't, can't we all left and right? Can't Mm. we all just talk to each other and get along? Mm -hmm. And as as we were prepping for this conversation, I was thinking about it. And just, I mean, the things that have happened this past weekend, the, this morning at work, a colleague of mine sent me. Um, Beto O'Rourke's sort of now viral moment where he was like members of the press what the fuck yeah and I was just like yes yeah this like maybe we can't actually just politely talk about things no. anymore right but I, I remember when I was reading this book I was like man wouldn't it be great if we could all sit down and, and actually like be informed about the conversations that we want to have to try to say like this is why this hurts me and see me as a human being sitting across from you right like yeah. just being able to hand this book to someone and being like, can you read this? And then like, can we talk ha- like talk about how you feel about it afterwards? <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. know what's funny? So I get a lot of letters. I get a lot. So the wild thing about this book going out into the world and the thing I really didn't expect is the amount of letters I get mm. from people that are not Indian people married to Jewish men, but like <laughs> everyone that doesn't see themselves on the black and white spectrum, everybody whose family feels complicated to them or unseen or not, or just never shown in their full nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the letters are harrowing. Like they're beautiful and sometimes they're so painful to read mm. because it's like, I, my white mother, I'm a black woman. My white mother voted for Trump. We no longer speak. Mm. I don't know how to be next to her anymore. I don't know how to tell myself she's my mother. You know, just these, this like, this incredible rupture that's happening. And to your point, like, wouldn't it be great if we all, could have this conversation. I think about this all the time and I love, I love humans. I love that we try to have conversations. I think (laughs) it's a really, for all practical purposes, like a wacky thing to try to do. Yeah. To like make a noise with your mouth that will reach another person that can make a noise (laughs) with their mouth and have something sensible come out of it. Mm -hmm. Wild. But that said, one of the things that I've really had to let go of is the idea that people in my lifetime will be ready for the conversations I so desperately need to have. Yeah. That's just not probably going to happen for me. Yeah. And it's so painful. But the one thing I have learned in the last decade of my life is you can't force someone to have a conversation they're not ready to have. So like, 
do I wish my white family would reach out to me now and talk to me and say like, Hey, let's talk about this for sure. Mm. Will they ever? Probably not. Yeah. Because they're not used to a viewpoint that doesn't cater to their goodness Mm -hmm. and they don't know what to do with it. And they don't know if I love them Mm. and I don't know how to say, I love you so much. Yeah. And I'm done catering to your goodness. Mm. Can you meet me somewhere where we don't have to do that so that I can live? Yeah. I mean, the book that you brought us to read shows that like people have been trying to heal divides like this forever. Yes. Uh, um, and like, talking can only solve so many things but uh you want people you people are always aching for a conversation i think yeah. that there's so much in um in sula we you, you brought tony morrison i did uh sula to us um and uh, this book was very powerful to read in conversation with yours and in conversation with everything that's going on mm. it was like it was differently harrowing oh the, tell me um <laughs> <laughs> like, oh tell me about that <laughs> yeah well um first before i can you talk about why you because you uh you brought it to us and i'd I'd love for you to know why before i yeah so one of the things i mean there's so many different ways and reasons to love um tony morrison but what i specifically love about this book is the full complexity of her female characters it's like reading those characters when i was younger was seeing for the first time somebody who centered dark women, mm. who centered, who wholeheartedly was like, this This story is hers and it is hers and it is hers and they are allowed to be as complex. We are allowed to be as complex as we need to be and hold the ground in the story. And frankly, most of the male characters in here are a little bit ancillary, right? They're mm-hmm. like, they're various forms of problems and hindrances Mm -hmm. that the women are sort of working around, but she didn't need to make anybody into a saint. Mm -hmm. She didn't need to make anybody into a sinner. She needed to like explore exactly how deeply all of that is intertwined. And what happens when you just take those, what happens if you take that gaze away? What happens if you take the horror virgin gaze away and just throw it over your shoulder and say, but what is this woman? Mm-hmm. But what else is this woman? Cause I feel like that's the thing that happens in here so often, right? She just explores and also the complexity of a female friendship, which is many times much closer than any lover that you'll have. Mm-hmm. And to really go into that, to really like lean into that and say like, no, there is a, there is a world here that is under, that is, is almost invisible in literature and is so deep between women mm-hmm. and it lives between us like this river that y'all never get to. And so they're just like all of those things for all of those reasons. Um, and for the, for the joy I had in recognizing how, how like joyfully she allowed herself to feel out every nuance of these characters. Mm-hmm. She just went there. Yeah. Like, I just think that to me, when I saw that, I was like, oh, you can make art that does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I love the way that she works with time 
in yeah. particular like this this story spans years yes. and she checks in on them and you feel that seven years has truly passed like mm-hmm. it's it's like very different than mm-hmm. they were when in 1920 versus 1927 you know mm-hmm. those are those are very different spaces that they're in now and you feel those years um i was saying that when i'm reading this i was just thinking about how everything gets in the national conversation about everything is narrowed everything's about like trying to fit things into tiny sound bites yes. and this is like the absolute opposite saying like there's no way to capture any complexity or even like get to anybody's nuance you can't you're not you're not finding the essence of something when you get to a soundbite yes (laughs) yeah oh that's such a good way to say that um and so like that's what i was feeling while i was reading this is just like yeah these are these are just alive characters and as much as it sometimes felt like i mean she sort of um there's a foreword by Toni Morrison at the front of it that she sort of is talking about it as an intellectual exercise yes. that she would. And I sort of felt that in a way that like, I don't know her later work. I felt very emotional mm-hmm. and this felt more like, I don't know. You felt a distance ob- obs- here? observant, mm. mm-hmm. observing life mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. um, instead of living it. And I think that might be because she's like spanning years and she's like, you got to catch up on like what's going on. With yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. There's no question, but this is, it was a, it was a fascinating reading experience um, from that point of view. And you said um, when you chose this, that you read it all the, all the damn time, which, yes, I, I, do. Feel, <laughs> which I feel like you were messing around with our show title, but also, um, all the damn time like what what brings you back to it i do actually i keep this book by my bed really yeah um this is the book that i keep by my bed because when things don't make sense i will often turn to a single paragraph and just and just meditate on it because Mm. i do feel like everything is very deftly placed but even within that i do actually feel a sense of wonder in here like a real Mm -hmm. curiosity about people and how they work Mm -hmm. and what they're willing to settle for and what they're not willing to settle for and just the like the real friction of what that looks like and there's something that it's not a hopeful book that's not what it sets out to do it's not like here's a great story about two (laughs) friends that love each other you know it's not that but it's but because um because there is this sort of curiosity of what makes people love each other Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's a little bit to me, that's sort of the central question. There's that very end. There's that kind of ending scene mm-hmm. yeah. and the cry that breaks out. And it's the cry about all the time that they had and all the things that they didn't do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the time that they had together and the time apart mm-hmm. and that like the cry for that experience yeah. is so raw. And I love that that's there. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that that's like a place that I love that that's where she kind of ends she ends in that place where it cannot be quantified. Yeah. And they, they they find these spaces to like halfway forgive each other too. Yeah, like, that's halfway. Yeah, it's like, I can't forget. Like, <laughs> you're going to stay around though. Mm-hmm. I'll keep you around because I love you. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna keep my eye on you as yes. well. <laughs> right. There's no easy so resting place. There's yeah. no, there is no like, and now we are done. Mm-hmm. Right? There is no finality, which is really comforting. I have to say, like I wrote the ending of my book 17 times. Mm-hmm. And 16 of them were really fucking angry. Yeah. Like furious. Right. And I kept thinking because you have to have an ending. You have to like land on something. You have to land on it hard. And books like this do the opposite. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Or it's like no or you can just actually let it be what it is. 
Right. Mill still has so much life. Yeah. Yeah. Like what happens if you let it be what it is? Because that's actually much more uncomfortable. Yeah. I was thinking of um, another book that we read for the show, uh, Passing by N- by Nella Larson. I didn't uh, read that one. Tell me. Um, and it's about, you know, it's... It was written in the 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's about a female friendship. Uh, one of them is a black woman that passes for white. Oh, wow. And she's living a life as a as a white woman woman. Mm -hmm. and the other woman is also can pass for white but she's living um in harlem Mm -hmm. wow and and they like they they run into each other again after many years they they have a friendship and this is in the 1920s this is wow it's fucking crazy but it it ends on a it ends on a hard like gut punch but at the same time like it, it answers no question like there's a huge hanging question mm-hmm. at the end of it, mm-hmm. um, which, uh, you know, you can decide. Oh, it was Lauren Wilkinson, right? Yeah. That yeah, she yeah, yeah. was like, um, that she, she was, she know, knew what happened at the end, but, um, you know, you can debate it if you'd like. Wow. But it was just something that I was thinking they were, they're very similar and like they're, they're talking about like these very difficult, very complicated female friendships. Yes. And how they're, you get drawn to somebody and like, it doesn't matter what they're doing in their, your life you who they are you're just curious about how they how they exist in the world right and it is a bit like the opposite of cancel culture right because you can't walk away mm-hmm. like the thing that i actually worried about a lot um when i was writing this i was like people are going to be upset that i'm not angry enough you know mm-hmm. what i mean or like oh, wow. i and because i am fucking furious but yeah. like they're going to want the bridge burned at the end they're going to want the house on fire they're going to want this and i was like it's so easy to do that it's right. so easy to hate. It's so easy to f- put together a beautiful sentence about why you hate someone mm-hmm. and just skewer them. And I know because I did it 16 times in a letter. It wasn't about hate, but it was like, this is how you've denied my humanity. And I will tell you because I know. It's so much harder to actually say, like, this is in the ways in which we are inextricably bonded. Mm-hmm. And we're never going to be free of each other. Mm. And we're always going to be locked in this equation. Yeah. I mean, it's something both of these books have such humor in them. And that's rarely the thing that comes up first or second or sometimes even third. But I I was rereading this is the first time I've reread a Toni Morrison mm. book. And there are all of the things that happen when years have passed and you reread something. And I was sitting in Washington Square Park and I burst out laughing at something. Just it was like a tossed off observation. Yeah. And I was like, shit, I didn't notice that the first time I read this book. Mm. And that that to me is where the complexity really starts to come in because if you can acknowledge it's it is easy when you're pissed to write being angry and it's much harder to balance that with something that will also make somebody laugh out loud yes right and i mean i certainly like good talk has some really good funny moments i mean there's some great knock knock jokes there are <laughs> he's really good at them he's really good at them but you talked about the bark mitzvah right which yeah. is like mm-hmm. a funny it's a f- oh it's so fun like, it's like the, a funny thing the dogs are running around there is a bark mitzvah happening yeah. there are tiny taluses for animals like oh you know what i mean like there's there's all of this stuff happening and then at the center of it is this kind of awful moment um which is that they think I'm the help. All my mother-in-law's friends assume that I am the help at the party mm-hmm. and give me their dirty dishes. And that the dissonance of that moment of being both welcome in a space and then like really not welcome at all. Right. And you're pregnant in that scene too. Yeah, that was also, that was wild. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, uh, I I was rereading that this morning, and I was just like, yeah, this is just as, like, like I I feel I felt tense in the way of like, I don't know, watching any like, mm-hmm. you know, cringe television. Um, just like, oh god, the sort of like the triumph because you um you 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 decide to prove that this is happening. Yeah. To yes. to someone at the party. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and then like when it does, you like smile. And then realize, like, I won. I proved it. I'm right. Yeah. And, and then, then, like, realize, oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what the fuck I does just, that mean? I yeah. Just proved that everyone here is a monster. Whoops. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is not, like, what did I just win yeah. in this moment? <laughs> a lot of dirty dishes. <laughs> exactly. I've, I've won the, lo- the loss, the, like, the losingness of my dignity. I've won it. It's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's over. The loss of my dignity has occurred. Um, yeah. You know what's funny about that moment, though, is that if you were to ask the other people involved in that situation what happened they would never remember it that way no sure well they They might remember the bark mitzvah they would remember the bark mitzvah (laughs) but they'd also be like i don't know that it really happened that way Mm -hmm. because eh, i don't know i mean was it that bad because they're it's sort of like it was a it was a blip of a moment for them Mm -hmm. for me it was the thing that was like right you will never be part of this and you're also bringing a brown kid into this world and god knows what's going to happen to him in this situation mm-hmm. but like you're never going to be it's never going to be safe you've been in this family for at that point i think it was in their family for like eight years wow. right it's never going to be safe <sighs> yeah Sorry, see? That was a bummer <laughs> <laughs> see that i mean that's what i was thinking that whole scene was like this is this is the funniest trappings of like the darkest moment like it's such a dark dark moment I think that's where I, I feel like I live at the um, at like the exact counterpoint of like really funny and just and just like horrifically sad because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's not because I don't know how else to do it. Yeah. Right. You know, I just don't know how else to like live through it. And it's funny because people also I think when you're funny, people assume you're not talking about serious things. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's and often the opposite. Yeah. And I feel like <laughs> hmm, like are you paying attention then? Yeah. Like, are you paying attention if you, if you think that this isn't horrifically sad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So obviously we all recommend, uh, both Sula and good talk. Yes. Um, and Sula is my favorite Toni Morrison book, I think. Yeah. Mm. I've only read six of them, <laughs> okay. six but I include in that the big ones. And I think Sula is my favorite. Mm. Yeah. And that is reconfirmed upon second reading. Nice. I like that happens. I go I go back and forth with Sula and the, the kind of obvious Beloved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time I read Beloved, I shut the page and I'm like, my head's on fire. It's gonna be on fire for a month. <laughs> yeah. Like I kind of can't believe all that happened again. Yeah. Mm. yeah. You know. Yeah. That oh, was the man. first book I stayed up all night reading. Oh really? Cool. Mm-hmm. Do you know like? Did you guys remember the first book you stayed up all night reading? <sighs> it was probably Redwall, to be honest. That feels. That's <laughs> honestly. Mm. That's probably right. What did I just stay up reading? probably something dumb <laughs> it's probably like a terry pratchett book or something yeah it's often it's often those that you're just like i want to stay in this niceness for a little longer yeah um it's not usually the harrowing ones that i'm like that you usually the ones that are truly like oh i can put that away for now and come back to that i remember reading beloved at 17 and i remember understanding in a way that i had never understood before what a crescendo was and what like like a thundering mm. heart can do to the pacing of mm-hmm. a book yeah and just and understanding like if you shut this book you can shut this book but you're never ever going to be in this moment again mm. yeah. like you will shut the book and you will break this rhythm 
and you have a choice. And I was like, fuck man, I'm up. I'm up. You know, like I'm going for it. We, yeah. gotta, we, gotta, we gotta stay awake for this whole thing. And I remember it rearranging my world. Yeah. Like waking up and seeing the sun come up again and understanding what a day was made of mm. and understanding how much your humanity could change in a day. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like feeling the bended edges of that and being like, oh, it's that. It's just that. Like this is how time in my heart works. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, the bended edge of a day that like is or you can get a bended edge too of when you're reading a book and you did have to put it down mm, yeah and you're just mm-hmm. like you're like well i'm furious now at everything that's happening that isn't that book <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> fuck <laughs> work yeah. that's how you know you're a reader yeah. i'm furious at everything that's happening that isn't the book <laughs> <laughs> um but so let's recommend other things other good things Do you want to start? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, th- mine isn't like that, but because it's so s- it's elegiac and and v- like the quietest book. I think you you said the same thing about it. Um, Tove Jansen's mm. The Summer Book. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. it's the quietest book. It's like twenty three or something chapters there, but little vignettes. Like you don't you could read them out of order. You could tear them all out of the book and mm-hmm. mess with the order yourself mm. if you mm. were feeling. Mm arts and craft <laughs> don't do that what? do it if you want um but yeah it's your book i recommend that book it, I, I read it while i was camping um and so i'm gonna do the thing where i also say you need to read this book while you're camping Perfect. that's a great it's idea such yep. a good book to read while you're camping <laughs> um and because like it, it you know you can do like your little camping chores in between these little sequences and it totally puts you in the right like the world is alive and I'm living in the alive mm. world with mm-hmm. it uh, mm-hmm. while you're camping. It's just such a great, it was so good that I actually looked up Tove Jansen. I was like, this is an amazing book. Like what else has she written? I'm like, Oh, she did Moomin. That's her too. Oh, so that's why that and happened. That's okay. The, the deluxe. Okay. Cause I'm just like, I want to, I want more Tove Jansen. Yeah. In my life. Okay. So that's okay. my recommendation. Read the summer book camping. I mean, there's enough summer left. Yeah. Um, so go for it. Yes. Okay, so that's mine. Okay. Do you want to go, Mira? Do you want? I have one, but wait, can I ask you something? I mean, obviously, I can ask you something. I, I actually, can you recommend something that isn't out yet? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We actually really like that. Okay. Because we, we, we believe in pre-orders. Okay, good. Yeah. So um, I wanted to recommend, and it does not, as far as I know, have a title yet, but Wayatu Moore, who is the author of She Would Be King. Did you read that book? Yeah, I did, and I went to the Table of Contents dinner that she did with guest of the show, Evan Hanser at Egg. Mm-hmm. It was very cool. She read from it. It was awesome. Yeah. She has a memoir coming out. <gasps> Ooh. She read from it. She's also on the faculty of Randolph with me, and she read from it last week. And I have woken up every night since thinking about some other part of what she read it was beautiful Mm. and raw and i know she just read an excerpt but i have to believe that excerpt is indicative of the whole thing and what she's doing with timing and pacing and dialogue so many good things were happening at once Mm. that i actually can't wait to read that the entirety of that book cool 
So I guess the recommendation is to go become a fan of her. Yes. <laughs> go become, well, first, yeah, and you should really read her novel uh-huh. first. She would be king. Read that first so that you have some, you know, entry point into her and then pre-order that memoir. As soon as you can pre-order it. Cool. As soon as you can. Oh, nice. That. All right, Drew. Um, I've got, I've got too many things. Okay. Um, well, we I'm make gonna, a lot of episodes of oh, this. That's true. <laughs> no, I'm going to choose... I'm going to do a three, but it's a weird one. Okay. Um, one of them is a record. Okay. Uh, it's The record is called Arthur Moon. The band is called Arthur Moon. Okay. Um, f- uh, friends of mine, I've, I've known them for years. I've played music with them. I've been waiting for this record for so long, and it is more than I ever could have imagined. It is strange pop rock with synths and weird time signatures and beautifully poetic emotion um laura Fay ashford the the singer songwriter behind the whole project just re- i was expecting great things and the record just blew me away when it came out last week i couldn't stop mm-hmm. listening to it um it's just it is it's that it's also that thing where like you see your friend achieve the thing that they've been working on mm. and yeah. you're just like fuck yeah nice <laughs> um you can stream that right it's on the yes, it's on can, all the services you can, it's on all the services and if you want the vinyl you can get it through vinyl me please cool um and that looks cool uh the second is it's kind of a shout out to an artist because the show that they created they did a reading of it at the public recently and who knows if it has a future or not it was a developmental workshop the show was called My Hate Letter to the Great American Theater. Whoa. <laughs> the artist, their name is Diana O. Uh, I've known Diana for a while. The show, I was sitting there. I'm leaving my job at the public theater. And I was like, this is the perfect thing to leave a job at a theater on. Because it starts out as sort of this like, fuck all of these things. Fuck mm. doing Shakespeare and talkbacks and the development system, all of these things that we all always complain about. And by the end of it, there's this moment of, uh, like, we I have to be apart from the Great American Theater mm-hmm. because I want to create how I want to create. But mm-hmm. also, I'm conscious that we're going to continue to be in this dialogue forever. Mm. Even if I'm creating outside of you, I'm still... I'll never be able to escape it. And so what are the ways to make that a positive thing? Mm-hmm. It was just like joyful and funny. And then on a dime, tragically, everyone in the audience is weeping. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and then it ended in a concert. Mm. I was like, it's the best. Wow. Uh, the third is just the works of Adrian Marie Brown. Okay. Um, she wrote a book called Emergent Strategy and then one that I just picked up for my fiance's book club called Pleasure Activism, The Politics oh, yeah. of Feeling Good. Mm-hmm. I just, I can't get enough of the ways in which her work and the way that she curates work is retraining my brain. Oh, that's interesting. Nice. Yeah, I just like, I won't say too much more because I don't want to put any spin on the ball for mm. people, but it, she's retraining the way that I think about art activism life everything mm. it's really cool stuff i want to retrain my brain mm. <laughs> that seems like a but, really good use of time yeah. yeah and in a way that's not the like um lumosity oh, right. games yes. or something yeah 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 it's not a nap <laughs> it's not a nap <laughs> maybe it should be <laughs> too yeah um Listen, everybody needs their app to get at the Angry Birds. Yeah. The dots. <laughs> the pleasure pleasure bird activism or something. 
I was playing that one where you're just a hole and you're just trying to oh, eat things. Oh, getting the hole bigger. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, fuck, I just spent an hour on this. What? And I immediately deleted it. And I was like, yeah, but I'm probably going to download it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a whole new kind of addiction. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad about it, but also um, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I but, noticed that my productivity is up like 50% when I don't have a single game on my phone. Yeah. That's how true. <laughs> but you know keep us on your phones um sub- keep subscribed yes and uh, your podcast because we have more wonderful things coming uh down the line um pa- uh, you can go to patreon.com slash smdb if you'd like to support the show um we have we're, we're we have our heads together and we have some fun things that we are going to be sending subscribers and, true. at the ten dollar level so if you want cool things sent to you in the mail it costs ten dollars a month um we also really love itunes podcast reviews that really helps us when those come out um when they're five stars and they're written something nice um (laughs) (laughs) helps us if you want to help the show and not spend any money um you can you can find us on all of the social media at so many damn books it would be a nice refreshing change from the uh hellscape of all twitter feeds yeah if you said something nice to us or said something about a book we mostly just follow book accounts for that reason and even there it's becoming hard to escape it so yeah talk to us about a book you liked (laughs) our instagram is as much is much nicer because it's just pictures of books just pictures of books books. (laughs) all of them people are reading it's great and uh the other thing you should absolutely do is go buy good talk a memoir and conversations yes it was it's it's a completely different reading experience um and it will make you think yeah Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much for joining us. We had a great time. I'm going to go drink all the drinks. There's a little bit left, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Bye. Bye.